0: This is Terms of Reference podcast number 178.
1: Though so we do have classes, it's really after the class when they get online. They're part of this network where they're talking about everything from legal issues they're having at work, activism, salary negotiation, there's a jobs channel. In a way, it's almost organized by anxieties or challenges you're having at work. This is the challenge I'm having, or this is a frustration I'm having at work. Has anyone else gone through this? And we've got 10,000 women in the community.
0: This is Terms of Reference. I'm your host, Stephen Laddick. Even though we work on hundreds of different issues across a similarly diverse group of settings, I think the argument could be made that the work of the social sector is ultimately focused on creating a world where all humans have equal opportunity to flourish. This is at the base of what we're doing with programming that seeks to improve financial systems, agricultural practices, environmental protections, health systems, and education. And one of the things we know, unequivocally, is that women have received the short end of the stick, no matter how you measure it. Here's the thing. Marginalization of women doesn't just happen in traditional development settings. It's alive and well in the U.S., Europe, and, well, every other leading economy on the planet. This is why I'm especially pleased to have Claire Wasserman as my guest for the 178th Terms of Reference podcast. Claire is the founder of Ladies Get Paid, an organization focused currently on empowering women in the workplace. As you'll hear in the show, I found Claire when seeking to learn more about Red Bull Amapico, for which she is the deputy U.S. editor. Red Bull Amapico is a collaborative platform for social entrepreneurs that is sponsored by the energy drink company of the same name. But our conversation quickly turns to how Ladies Get Paid was founded and has quickly expanded into a phenomenon of 10,000 women and growing. You're going to love this show, where we talk about women rising up to get what they deserve and how one woman has made the leap to be a leader in that movement. I spoke with Claire in New York. But before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor.
1: The Terms of Reference podcast is sponsored by International Solutions Group, helping to improve the social impact of governments, UN agencies, NGOs, and companies for more than 10 years. Visit ISG online at www.theisg.com.
0: Hello, Claire. Thank you so much for being on the Terms of Reference podcast today.
1: I am very excited to be here, Stephen.
0: Claire, you are a, a woman of the world. I know that you are on an airplane an awful lot. Where where do we find you sitting today?
1: Shockingly, I am at home in New York. I can't believe it. It's almost <laughs> like when I'm not traveling, I feel like a tourist. So, but I will be on a plane on Monday.
0: You know, we've been living overseas long enough now. Our listeners know this. I mean, they've, they've, they've got our backstory Uh, But our family's been living overseas long enough now that when we go to America, it's like being a tourist now. You know, I go I go home and it's like, wow, look at this really wide (sighs) boulevards. People stop at red lights. It's super cool. Um,
1: no, yeah, not- and also being from New York, it's like you know every time I come back, there's a new condo on my block. Ugh. And then I have to remember I probably contributed to the gentrification, so I don't know how much I can complain. But,
0: Preach, but yeah. I, I, I'll I'll one up you on on the Bangkok. I, I think there's three three new apartment buildings right across the street from me. But let's we, we digress. We digress. Um, you are the founder of a social enterprise called Ladies Get Paid. You're also the U.S. deputy editor um, for Red Bull And Um, I found you through an article I saw in fast company magazine about the Red Bull Academy. Um, and I wanted to touch on that flavor to, you know, have you just give us the, the two minutes on what that, you know, what, what, what is Red Bull doing in the social enterprise world and and what's their focus and, and, and what are they contributing there? Um, but then I want to circle back and, and really spend our time talking about ladies get paid and how you're, you're making a difference there. Um, so, without further ado, why don't why don't we start out by you telling us about you know what's what's Red Bull doing, uh, and what what Red Bull Amble Pico is, and 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 what it does.
1: So, when I first started talking to Red Bull, I asked them the exact same question that you just asked me: What are you doing in the social impact space? <laughs> You're an energy drink. Stop that. Yeah, and and their response to me was it was fantastic. It was you know, giving wings to athletes, everything that they'd previously done in the way that they've supported um, extreme sports. They said, well, why don't we give wings to social entrepreneurs? Um, And it's really interesting. It's not been going on too long. So I feel very privileged to be part of kind of the beginning process of Red Bull figuring out where they make sense in the social impact space. Um, And here's what we're doing. So there's a magazine um, that covers people all over the world. Um, who are doing things in the nonprofit space, for profit? There just has to be a social impact element core to the mission. So we're not talking about a product where it's like a one for one, you know, where they donate abroad. It's really where the work that they do is giving back in and of itself. Pretty broad. Um, for me, I am looking to cover U.S. based um, and U.S. For Pico is new. Actually, they began this initiative in South Africa, uh, and then they moved on to Brazil. Um, And and what they do on the ground is they host uh, these 10-day academies. Um, This is extremely hard to get into. There's an application process. They're looking for a diversity of initiatives. Um, If you get in, you attend this almost like boot camp incubator where there are mentorship opportunities. There are talks. Um, a lot of bonding um, between entrepreneurs. I actually find that that is probably the most. Um, sure. Sort of, the network is always special. the most powerful thing, yeah. right? I
0: mean, that's what yeah. it's all
1: about. And, and, well, and especially for those who, you know, especially, I don't know, it depends where they're from, but, it, you know, for example, somebody in, let's say, the middle of the country, America, they might not be around other entrepreneurs or other social entrepreneurs as much as me in New York where all my friends seem to be entrepreneurs. So I think for them, it's really special to have 10 days where they are around people who understand what they go through uh, and the sacrifices they make. Um, and it's, it was amazing to watch this past year. It was in Baltimore. It was the first time they've done the Academy in the U S um, and yeah, I just feel wonderful to be, be part of it.
0: I'm, I'm going to out myself here. What does Emma Pico mean? Do we have any idea?
1: Yes. So it's Zulu. Um, I need to make sure that I, my Zulu translation is correct, but I believe it means wings. So we're really hammering that home. (laughs) Sure. Okay. That,
0: you know, this is, it's always the simplest answer, right? You know, and, and, you know, full disclosure as well. The the reason why I thought it was cool to find out about Red Bull is because obviously I'm sitting in the home of Red Bull right here in Bangkok. And I'm like, you know, they, they, they give this drink away regularly here everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, that's great. So, um, Cool. One one last question to that before we kind of transition over. Is there? You said there's a magazine in it in this academy. Is there an award process? Is there any funding involved, or is it is it really just sort of the networking opportunity, the access to mentors, these kinds of things?
1: Yeah, it's the latter. So there's no financial exchange um, in terms of funding, no equity taken. Um, I should also mention that the support for the participants in the academy extends beyond those 10 days. So it's actually an 18 month program where they've been assigned a mentor who they do regular check ins. Um, one thing I'll say about the money part is, uh, anybody in the social, um, anybody who participates in the academy, if there's something that they're doing that they think makes sense to team up with Red Bull and there is a money exchange, they're totally open. So, Mm -hmm. for example, you know, sponsoring an event or providing space, um, in kind donations, um, it's really case by case. Uh, but they, these entrepreneurs, they have us on speed dial. Um, so it's, yeah, they, And they have free Red Bull. I don't want to say for life, but we drank it <laughs> during the academy. That I think I might be good for life, uh, but don't put that in the podcast. I don't think Red Bull does <laughs> that. Sure, sure. Uh, oh, and the other thing I would mention about the program is: yes, there's a magazine. Yes, there's a 10 day academy, um, but there's also a community. So for those who either don't get into the academy or don't apply. Um, There is this uh, community space where you can create a project page, um, talk about what you're doing, talk about your open needs if you're looking for aid or or collaboration. Uh, And this is a way for people to continue to connect um, because, again, with the Academy, it's it's very select who gets in. Mm. So definitely check out amapico.redbull.com and you'll see all of that there.
0: Cool. Now, is is Ladies Get Paid, is, is that connected, or did you get launched out of that by any way, or is this is it was a completely separate initiative?
1: I didn't get in. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, we're off, very awkward. Um, <laughs> no, I, I knew a good friend of mine, uh, I had helped get a job, not at Red Bull, but elsewhere. And when he found out at Red Bull that they were hiring for somebody to help with build-outs kind of the U.S., um part of this initiative uh and specifically looking for an editor and writer for the magazine, he suggested me. Um so that was nice to get he got me back for <laughs> having gotten him a job. Um and when I met with uh Red Bull Emma Pico, they told me, quite frankly, they were excited to bring me on board because I was a social entrepreneur. Mm. Um and that I would be incredibly empathetic to these, you know, again, people who are doing work that should make money, you know, in some extent, but that's not what drives them. Um so of course with that there's a lot of sacrifices and that I would I would understand it and cover it thoughtfully. Um and they also were interested and this is great, they were interested in me writing about myself. That they they wanted me to talk about ladies get paid. They want to support my initiative, um that it was a real uh benefit for them. So no, I didn't get into the academy. No, it wasn't launched out of there, but it, it's been brought into the family of Red Bull, um, which is great to not have to like bifurcate my two jobs.
0: So sure. there's no
1: like side hustle. They they really work together.
0: That's fantastic. So uh, we've arrived at this moment now. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting on bated breath. What do ladies get paid? I mean, are you just giving away money or or what's the deal here?
1: I wish no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: are you a funding organization or I'm going to assume not.
1: No, maybe one day. Uh, I mean we we call ourselves um uh, we are we provide tools and support uh, so that women can rise up at work. um and how we define rising up at work largely, it's getting women into leadership positions. it's getting them paid properly, you know closing the wage gap. um and the support part, it comes through education we provide. We do workshops, but really, it's this online community that we've built. Where women from all over the world are sharing advice and resources with each other so you know though we do have classes it's really after the class when they get online um they're part of this network um, where they're talking about everything from legal issues they're having at work um activism salary negotiation there's a jobs channel uh, in a way, it's almost organized by anxieties or challenges you're having at work. Mm-hmm. And you should go to where, you know, this is the challenge I'm having or this is the frustration I'm having at work. Has anyone else gone through this? And we've got 10,000 women in the community. Wow. And, yeah, and a woman from Romania will jump in and she'll give her advice. And then there'll be a woman from Oklahoma and she'll share her story. Super powerful to watch that. And I think the the biggest takeaway that everybody has is that they're not the only ones experiencing this.
0: Mm. So it's profound. Uh, how did you, why is this your issue? How did you stumble on this? Like, when did you wake up one day and you're like, I, this is my thing, I've got to do this?
1: Yeah, there definitely was an aha moment. Um, I, I should just preface it by saying, you know, I'm not somebody who ever really identified as, quote, a feminist. Um, I think I had a complete misunderstanding of what that word meant. Um, so doing Ladies Get Paid, Sometimes it surprises me. I was certainly not—I um, wasn't a gender studies major in college. You know? So, so the aha moment that happened um, was I was working in advertising, and I went to uh, a large awards ceremony in the south of France. Very fancy. There were people very high up in ad agencies. Unsurprisingly, most of the conference festival—it was a lot of older white men. You know, those were the people in power at these brands and agencies, and they were the ones who were sent. And the first party, first night I walked in and this older gentleman came up to me and he said, hi, whose wife are you? And and I I was stunned. And and now I'm actually quite grateful that that happened because I realized from there that there had been all these smaller experiences, uh, but never so blatant as this. And sometimes when there's uh, an experience that you just can't deny, you go, okay, that's not okay. That's when you get awakened. And Long story short, you know, from there, I I went home after a week and I wrote about my experience. And it, there were, by the way, it was seven days and seven nights of similar conversations like that. Uh, It wasn't just one thing. And when I wrote about it, uh, it was less about here's what happened to me, but more about my processing of it, right? So it was um, shame. Like, did I contribute, you know, for conversations where I felt objectified? Mm -hmm. Well, was it because I was wearing a short dress? Was I too friendly? And then, you know, it was sort of this meta article of um, the experiencing of processing and how exhausting that is. And if I'd been, you know, I'd sort of been processing these things my whole career, imagine what I could have done. Imagine the productivity I could have had if I hadn't been spending all this extra time trying to navigate these dynamics. And I didn't have, um, I guess, the guts to publish it publicly. I felt really uncomfortable if I said, hi, I'm talking about, you know, gender power issues and maybe I'd get fired. You know, it was your
0: your Regina Maguire moment, right? Or that would have been, you know, sorry, Jerry Maguire. It it could have been, you know,
1: I was worried that if you Googled me that I would be known as this person. It's so ironic, because I'm totally now known as this person. And and I realized the fear I had in publishing it. That's exactly the reason why I do what I do. But, you know, instead of publishing it, I sent it to a couple of friends. And I asked them, you know, what they thought and had they experienced something similar. And they wrote me back and they shared their stories and asked my permission if they could send it to their friends and they did. And their friends wrote back with their story and sent it to friends. And so I watched this piece just sort of get um, viral in our inboxes and this whole chain of women who didn't even know each other writing back um, which is very much the basis of what we do, which is the, the personal stories as the springboard for larger conversations and strategic conversations about what we can do. Um, and then we'll just skip forward, uh, probably a year, actually. It took me a year to really do anything. Um, I just was reading a lot, reading a lot about the wage gap. Um, these things were kind of percolating, bubbling up. I was getting increasingly angry, you know, at statistics like, uh, Hispanic women make 55 cents to the dollar, uh, and, and feeling, um, really startled and ashamed that I didn't know that. I had thought it was 78 cents to the dollar. Mm, mm And, and this kind of ashamed part came from the fact that I'm an educated person. And if I don't know the reality of what women of color face, you know, do other people know this? And I felt the responsibility to speak up. Um, and, and the question is though, for something as large and overwhelming as an issue of women in leadership in the wage gap, you know, something as systemic, um, as that it's like, what can I as an individual possibly do? Um, and so what I did was I hosted a town hall, just this open forum, Event where I said to women come and talk about what money means to you and I picked money because I knew that that represents so much more you know it would be a conversation about self-worth and value um, and and of course the wage gap and um, financial independence and this town hall I mean it was so incredible to see all these women just almost like a cork on a champagne bottle had come off I mean the energy in the room it was like they had never been given the space certainly not publicly to talk about these things and now, long story long, I went home and I immediately created a private Slack group um, for people to stay in touch with. Um, are you? Do you use Slack? Are you familiar with that platform?
0: I'm super familiar with Slack. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. sure how many so, of our listeners are, but you know, it, it absolutely, is. the communicate, you know, it's it's we can you know we can put links to Slack up there and we can you know direct people to it.
1: Yeah. So I'd been using it at the company that I was working for. It's meant to be an internal communication tool so that employees don't really have to email each other if they want to talk to one another. They just jump on this and there's different channels and it's instant message. I immediately thought that would make more sense for people to stay in touch with after the town hall than a Facebook group. Um, Point being is that there were a couple of themes that kept coming up in the town hall. And I knew that if we did a Facebook page, it would become this infinite feed of a conversation and you wouldn't be able to navigate um, quickly to the theme, right, that you wanted to discuss. So instead, I I picked Slack and I have channels based on the things that were spoken about. I invited everybody who attended. Um, They joined. They asked me, could they invite friends? So I created a splash page with a sign up because the group was private. So the only way that somebody could get in is they'd have to go through my website and I would add them manually. Mm. Uh, Ten thousand people later, I was I would just going to say there's <laughs> there's a lot of
0: clicking going on. So you know, but the, the, I I, I kind of want to just ask a question. So the the moment for the town hall, uh, I mean, did you fund this out of your back pocket? Did you did you just say, hey, who can ever show up? Whoever can show up, you know, show up. Like if you want to fly in, or whatever. Like you know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna get the space and I'll have a couple you know bottles of water here for everybody to do or, like that's a pretty big leap to just sort of say, I'm going to, ho- I'm going to hold my own town hall without really knowing you're going to do anything from it. Did you sell tickets? To, like how did, how did that work?
1: Yeah. So I was, uh, I was working for a company called working, not working. Um, so working, not it is <laughs> I, love and it I love these names. I love these names, <laughs> Right. And I'm ladies get paid. We basically, you know, let's just tell you what we do, um, in our title. And it's, um, it's a super curated professional network, um, largely composed of creatives uh, and the way they define creatives. It's, it's creative people specifically in tech, advertising, media, um, production. And most of the members, uh, I don't know anymore, but they had been freelancers. And so the way that, um, hires were finding them was through their availability. So are you working? Are you not working? Are you available soon? Um, so that it would be very efficient for somebody to find you and hire you quickly. I uh when I wanted to do the town hall, they helped me put it on. Um, so I was really lucky in that respect. They were extremely supportive. Um, and so I did this first town hall, and I knew honestly a week later that I was going to have to quit my job and do this full-time. I just, you know, I had practiced being an entrepreneur um, for years before I had a couple of failed initiatives. Um, and knew that I wanted to do something like this. And then it just became very clear, you know, after the town hall and the Slack group and the conversations that were happening, that there was education to be had, there was career development and workshops. Um, so I went to them and I, you know, I told them that I wanted to leave, which was a tough decision. It was an easy and a tough decision. Uh, you know, easy in the sense that I knew instinctually that this is what I wanted to do and tough because I loved what I was doing before. And I love that company. Mm. To answer mm-hmm. about tickets, it was free.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the
1: space, uh, it was 100 people could come. And that's how we did it. People showed up.
0: So now you're, you're still adding people manually on your Slack group, which, you know, I've seen Slack use. It, it, I'd love to just, you know, get two more sentences from you about that. I've, I'm really starting to see it pop up more and more for, you know, sort of, closed group forums or, you know, these kind of intimate groups that you have. Um, is this a service that Slack just provides? Is it, is it a paid service? Is it something, you know, how hard is it to set up?
1: I am hacking Slack. They're not going <laughs> to, I don't know if they'll love what I'm doing. I will um, I will edit that out. <laughs> yeah. No, and, I, and I, you know, how I see it is I'm doing really honestly business development for them because I'm introducing thousands of people to their platform. And so though I'm not paying, it's, it's a freemium model. Mm -hmm. So you can, um, you can, you you invite
0: you invite other people to it and, and they're basically signing up with free, you know, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah. So it's free for me, free for them, but there's limited capabilities. So a reason to pay for it would be to archive conversations. So we can't access conversations past a certain time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't, um, I don't own the data, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the other uh, benefits are of, of paying, but companies, large companies, they're paying, certainly paying and it's worth it for them. I believe you pay per person. So obviously for a small company like me with, you know, the goal of getting thousands and thousands of people to join, it's just not affordable right. for me to pay. Um, but what's great is because I'm not charged, I don't have to charge people to join Slack. Um, so that is that's great. Um, I have never wanted to have a barrier to entry. I didn't want finances to prevent you from being able to join an organization like mine. So there's no membership fee. Um, you do pay for individual classes. You know there are paid initiatives, but you get a ton out of Slack, uh, and that and that's free for everybody. Very easy to sign up. Go to slack.com. Um, great tutorials. Really recommend it for anybody building a community. Can still do a Facebook page, but like I said you know, the conversations will be better
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, though. Yeah. The, the Facebook page, you just get lost in it, and it just feels, it, it's clunky, right? It, it There's not a lot of functionality there. I mean, our company, International Solutions Group, the the sponsor of this podcast, uses Slack as well, and just the channel system and the way you can call people out and hashtag stuff, it's just absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. Now, we, I guess we've now uh, sponsored uh, Slack enough Slack. now. <laughs> but, uh, you know... So here you are. I, I love these stories. It's one of my favorite things in my world Let's talking to other entrepreneurs myself. You know, you took the leap. You did. it. You, you, you had this moment this, where you're like, I, "I'm going to have to quit my job. i have going to do this." And you, you held your town hall, and now you're ten thousand people in. What is it that you're doing? I'd I'd love to hear. Like, do you have some stories or or something you can share with us about either a group of women or an individual or or something where. They've had now their aha moments or they have, you know, hey, look, I was, you know, I I thought I was on, uh, I was a nobody, but now I'm on an executive track or may, hey, I am now the executive or now these types of types of things.
1: Oh my god, so many! And each time somebody writes me, I cry. (laughs) Like my partner will look over at me and she's like, "Oh, you got another email, didn't you?" Because I'm like getting all teary. Um, Yeah, uh, there's been some women in the community. They've made massive changes, uh, you know. And some of them have made small changes that have had massive impact um, on themselves or, or for their company, really. A lot of women have now um, instituted diversity programming. They've recognized the importance of supporting women in, in this way. And they've gone to their HR uh, department and they've said, listen, this is what I've experienced at Ladies Get Paid. I think we should do something like this here. And then the company invests in programming or they'll bring they'll bring Ladies Get Paid in to teach workshops. Um, one story I'd like to share uh, is a woman in the community uh, told me that she came across her dream job, this, this description of a job. It was perfect for her, but she was worried about applying because there were a few requirements that she didn't have and, you know, she wasn't perfect for it. And this is something that a lot of women experience. Um, there's some kind of statistic that, you know, a man will apply for a job if he fulfills, I don't know, like 60% of or like, you know, 55% of the job requirements, he'll still apply. A woman feels the need to have like 80% of the requirements before she'll apply. Mm-hmm. And this woman was only one of, one of these people. And so she didn't apply. Fast forward to a coffee meetup we did. Um, we have Ladies Get Coffee and Ladies Get Drinks, which is the happy hour version. Um, and so she went to this coffee meetup we hosted. She met another woman. And the woman said, you know what? I think you would be perfect for this open position at my company. And she describes the job. And it was the job that this woman thought she wouldn't apply for. (laughs) And and she said, well, that's so funny because I wasn't sure if I should apply. And this other woman said, you should definitely apply. I'm also going to introduce you to the hiring manager or the boss, whatever. And she did. Fast forward and this woman got that job. So I love that story because it does a couple of things. One, it shows the, the power of passing somebody forward um you know that just by an introduction you can change somebody's life and that's very much the giving uh the more you give the more you get and people and ladies get paid definitely understand that um and then the other part is you know this woman who didn't want to apply it illustrates this this thing that we talk about which is imposter syndrome you know this feeling that you need to be um you know you're almost like a fraud uh if you aren't perfect or you have to overperform um to have legitimacy professionally Um, and so this woman experienced that, but then she made a change. I highly doubt she'll ever experience that again in any future job. You know, I think she'll have the confidence now to just go for it.
0: That's really interesting. I thought you were going to go down the imposter syndrome or the fraud syndrome that, uh, it, again, it, I'm just speaking from my perspective of, of you know, many entrepreneurs feel right, no matter what level of success you achieve, you end up walking into your office or your studio or, or whatever it is. And you're like, ah, you know, do I deserve this? You know, like, it, like, I don't have the traditional resume, I don't have the necessarily the the credentials of others. And yet, here I am, This this seems to be working, when's the bottom going to fall out, you know, those kinds of things as well. And I'm wondering if many of the women you talk with have that kind of feeling as well.
1: Yeah, a lot of them do. Um, and, and I've, I've personally experienced that as well. And and the thing that I always remind them is a couple of things. One, if you're passionate about what you do, that's the point, you know, always go back to, well, I should be here because I'm extremely passionate about it. You know, the second thing is, is this is not a pass fail test. Everything is a learning experience. Um, and then, so the third thing is that we're all making it up Mm, true. (laughs) making up and if you say you are something then you are that thing. Um, and then the other part, which I don't know how you'll what you'll feel about this, but then we joke. Have the confidence of a mediocre white man. You know, we're like, what would a white man do? (laughs) Uh, and and do a gender reversal. I'm going to speak
0: for all tall white men in the world and say, that's awesome. No, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's like, what would, uh, would a man be feeling this? And I don't mean to generalize, but sometimes just by, uh, doing that gender reversal, it can give you the jolt of perspective that you need. And I guess the last part, and I'm pretty long winded, so sorry if you have to edit me out here, but, uh, you know, why would you take yourself out? Let somebody else tell you it's not working or let somebody else reject you before you reject yourself, mm-hmm. which it makes means you have to be vulnerable. But, you know, let somebody tell you you're not right for the job. Um, you know, I, just,
0: I, 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 I just have this gut feeling because I have no data to back it up. Right. But as a representative of the middle aged, you know, white man population in the world, <laughs> That you know all of the the things that you just described there the self doubt the you know uh, the the self defeating the you know why you know, I don't belong here all of those syndromes I mean I, I can point that finger at myself you know yeah and, and I know amongst the group of men that I have in my life every single one of them same exact thing now flip that around and, you know, how would we be able to take advantage of that or work within a network within a company or something like that? I'm sure that there's, it's a much different structure and, you know, it plays out much differently, but on a personal level, 1000% mm-hmm. all of those emotions are there as well. That's, that's really interesting. Where's, where's this going? So, you know, I've heard so far in the, in the conversation, you know, workshops, speaking events, um, online classes, uh, I know you and I were kind of in the warm up before the podcast. You were actually you're going to the Fighting Eagles um, down at American University. You're going to give a talk down there next week.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wh- what's yep. what's
0: um, what's the next two or three years look like? I mean, are, are how's this thing getting built out? Are you going to scale this to a million people? What what's what's your what's your vision?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, so the focus for this next year actually is on conferences. So we hosted our first conference a couple weeks ago in New York. We had almost 150 women attend. Um, it was called get money, get paid. <laughs> uh, and it was primarily focusing on salary negotiation, personal finance, um, some leadership training, and then a whole part on speaking up the courage to speak up and civic engagement. Um, it went so well that we are going to take it on the road. We want to do it, uh, every couple of months in different cities. Um, so that'll be, that'll be great. Mm, um, and that's the, awesome. yeah, and the other thing that we're going to focus on, um, is we've developed curriculum around civic engage. excuse me, we have actually, we've developed curriculum around how to get civically engaged curriculum on salary negotiation and curriculum on how to advocate for yourself effectively at work. And we're training women in our community to teach those classes, um, similar to almost like a yoga teacher certification. Um, except we're not, you know, you don't pay us to take our training program. Um, what you do is you learn how to run a class, um, and then you take 50% of the profit. Everything we do, I should mention, is a profit share with all of our instructors um, and all of our uh committees that help us organize events, speakers, everybody takes a piece of what we do. Um and so the goal is to build out an army of um instructors who focus on salary negotiation and promotion. Um so you know, the army, the conference, uh, and then continuing to do corporate programming um and college speaking. Um, But again, really coming back to how can we get women to rise up and work? And that focus is leadership and closing the wage gap. Um, Yeah, personally speaking, I should mention for a vision, I would love to do what we're doing, but for a couple of other subjects as well. So looking at, you know, what is education, community and advocacy for motherhood, for sexuality, for mental health? Um, so basically looking at the very uncomfortable subjects, uh, and making, you know, normalizing the conversation, showing people that, you know, they're not alone and giving education because all of those things desperately need it so right now focus is career would love to see if we could extend it to other verticals i
0: can't i can't imagine that that's you know that's far off you know given the, the type of uh, momentum that you have right now what's the what are your barriers right now um you know just sort of getting nuts and bolts on the enterprise itself is it is it funding and you know what your your basically your ability to scale is it is it staffing is it funding is it you know just sort of hours in the day like are are yeah. there are there are there other you know, like I'm trying to just sort of what's, what are your biggest challenges here? Like, I'm, I'd love to believe that it's you know a, a yellow brick road that's kind of just going, but.
1: Hmm. You know, I think the biggest challenge uh, for all entrepreneurs is probably emotional and financial stability. <laughs> and I say emotional. No,
0: no, no, no. That's that's never know? a challenge. We all we're all solid. We're totally solid. <laughs>
1: I think, uh, you know, because I, like I said, practiced at being an entrepreneur before and had a few failed initiatives, uh, I felt ready for the roller Uh, but I think that's a challenge that most people don't uh, either anticipate or talk about. We, We usually focus on funding, but I think the emotional part is really important to acknowledge and have support ready to go for that. Um, AKA a good therapist. Um, but I would say, uh, for us, um, it's always funding. Uh, I mean, we're not looking for investment. Um, We've been able to bootstrap this. I paid off all my debt in a year. Um, We have expanded quickly because it's in a way a franchise model, you know, there is the profit share. So we have women who have helped us grow in different cities and they take a portion of the profit from events. Um, So that's been very helpful to have that model and being able to scale. Um, I brought on a partner recently that's helped a lot, but yes, I would love to hire staff. We could go so much faster. It's just, we're going pretty fast as it is. And I, you know, bringing on investment, I don't think is worth, we don't need to go as quickly. You know, there isn't market competition in the way that maybe some other companies have. So in a way, you know, as much as I want to go quickly and need funding to do it, um, I also think there can be a danger in going too fast. Um, So right now it feels pretty good. It actually I'm well get back to me in a few months so knock on wood you know right now it's feeling like the yellow brick road it's been an incredible year and mm. I think part of has to do with the fact that I'm doing exactly what I was meant to do you know so not to get all spiritual about it no
0: that is but, that I, I love that I love that that is fantastic I I always end these conversation with with two these two these two questions um and I, I'm very interested to hear your answer to them one is who do you pay attention to in order to stay present, in order to stay up to date, in order to be inspired? Now, the easy answer is I've got this community of 10,000 women, right? But are there other places that you look, unusual places? Are there Twitter feeds, blog posts, periodicals, you know, cat groups? I have no idea um, <laughs> that, um, that that you go to just, you know, for inspiration and creativity.
1: Yeah, um, I... I'm close with and look closely at other women's organizations. Um, so, I have a great network of women in similar, um, you know, at the vantage point that I have who sit at the uh, intersection of a lot of different women. And um, we, it's a unique set of challenges to be at the head of a community like this, especially one that is pouring out their heart with challenges that can be, you know, you can take on their stories and that can be really draining sometimes. So having a group of women who understand what that's like, uh, has been really beneficial. So I, I don't feel like I have time to look at Twitter or read. I feel it's just, it's like you said, it, you know, is was your challenge num- number of hours in a day. Absolutely. Um, but building out that network of women in similar situations as, as me who run other women's organizations has been huge, really great, really great. Um, and it's also helped in not feeling alone because I did, I ran ladies get paid for um, almost a year by myself, maybe like mm. nine months before I took on a partner. So, you know, it can get lonely and also you, you lose perspective quickly. So those those other women um, keep me in check. Mm. And it's me. Last question is,
0: What is it outside of Ladies Get Paid? Is there something, you know, particularly innovation, a a, a new thing, a shiny new object, a process, a group that you're particularly excited about that you think needs a little bit more press that you can give a shout out to that um, you'd like to point your finger at?
1: Mm, Gosh, Um, I'm, you know, post-election, I don't know how political I can get here. But after uh, Trump got elected, uh, the, myself included, but the whole community of ladies get paid, I think really shifted, um, to wanting to support civically engaged groups of all different kinds. Um, so, I mean, there's a number to, you know, a number of them that I can shout out to, uh, the one that I think I'll give kudos to right now is, um, an organization called, uh, do something.org. Um, and this is, uh, you know, you put in the cause that you're passionate about um, and then there's these drop downs where you can, you know, how much time do you have? What, what are the things you'd like to do to contribute? Um, so it's a way of finding grassroots initiatives and participating in them. Um, and this is run by a woman that we featured at our conference and she's super inspiring. I would love to have everybody check her out. Um, her name is Blair, uh, Amani is her last name. Um, and she's one of the bravest women. I know, um, she's a, I would say career activist. Um, she's Muslim, queer, a woman, uh, and just, she, I'm blown away by, by her. She just turned 24, which makes me think God, what I'm so unimpressive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. So if you want to be inspired and slightly intimidated, uh, check her out at Blair Amani on Twitter she's got a fabulous feed.
0: Claire, uh, a a surprising and fascinating and, and absolutely delightful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it, Stephen.